The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Hurd, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast, In Trust, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ekaterina Bigos joining us here uh, for the program. Take a closer look at markets. Ekaterina is CIO of Core Investments. Asia X Japan at AXA Investment Management. So we've been hearing that more and more fund managers, Ekaterina, are getting positive on Chinese equities for next year. I raised the question a few moments ago of how much of that is already discounted in markets because we have seen some gains of late, particularly for Hong Kong. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, good morning, Brian. Thank you for having us. Uh, yeah, clearly, I mean, I think there's a positive sentiment on China, and China may prove to be counter-cyclical uh, to the to the global uh, growth slowdown, um, as we see the the uh, the developed markets and emerging markets in other parts of the world uh, seeing a slowdown in economic growth. And now this this subject to clearly China opening up, and this is a condition that has been reiterated by uh, many uh, sell side analysts and by ourselves, is that certainly China can achieve their growth potential, but they do have to open. Uh, or the reopening has to be successful. Uh, and, and as we talked in our uh, um, views this year or the forecast for next year, uh, we see China opening the economy in kind of three phases, as you might say. First, they will focus on getting uh, the public medically and mentally ready uh, for the change. And we've seen progress in that space uh, for, my, uh, for China moving uh, towards, uh, you know, supporting uh, the, the, the population medically with high vaccination rates. And certainly we focus around the elderly vaccination of elderly population. Uh, then the phase two, as uh, we see it, is will be emphasis of reopening the domestic economy uh, by easing the social and mobility restrictions. Uh, certainly the, uh, the onshore uh, consumption uh, in China is very powerful. So a rebound of that consumption next year. Uh, clearly can be uh, providing a positive support for China economy. And the final step uh, we see it is the uh, the China opening the border for the rest of the world. And we see that happening uh, subject to the other two first steps being successful. We see that happening in the second part uh, of the year of 2023. Okay, as you just mentioned itself, uh, that what we have is uh, uh, a situation where we're going to be having road bumps in this uh, reopening story from China. And that could really also be a headwind naturally. But it is amazing how much about uh, six weeks makes in terms of how people have just uh, turned sentiment, in fact, shorter period than that, turn, turned their sentiment uh, towards China. So what do you actually look at if you do think it's going to be counter-cyclical? 
Yeah, and, and you know, apart from the reopening, I think that's a key condition for China achieving at least the the five percent growth that uh, a lot of the the sell side analysts expected this year. But uh, certainly, they are going to have a growth below that trend. We expect around three percent growth for this 2022. They have the potential to go to five percent next year. But it is one of the key elements is that reopening or successful reopening, allowing for all the fiscal and monetary stimulus. Uh, that has been put in place in China uh, to filter through the economy or transmit through the economy in a successful way. And then beyond the, let's say, uh, China reopening excitement, there's elements that uh, uh, investors have to look at, things like uh, the housing market downturn, and we've seen uh, certainly a correction in that space, and certainly what the um, uh, the government will do to support uh, that sector will be very important. The globalization is one of the elements, uh, technology restrictions that were seen put in place this year, uh, and um, uh, private sector policies, uh, and certainly aging population, which are more structural uh, uh, trends that are certainly going to uh, press on China growth going forward. Uh, so they certainly that element, uh, short-term, if medium-term, excitement around the opening, uh, and there's more long-term uh, elements that... Um, uh, that investors have to look at uh, when we assess China as an investment opportunity. So to what extent, Ekaterina, do you think that uh, China reopening and moving forward uh, will exacerbate the inflation problem globally? I mean, here central banks, particularly in the West, have struggled to bring inflation, at least to get it seemingly topping out. Now you have China, uh, which has got a lot of pent-up emotion, uh, perhaps adding to those issues. Yeah, and, and the, the inflation hasn't been an issue this year. As we know, in China, in fact, it's below trend. Uh, despite all the support that we've seen from monetary and fiscal uh, stimulus uh, due to the restrictions on mobility, restriction on kind of the, the velocity of money that's been put in, in, in the economy. And as we see next year, uh, we'll look, as I said, the first step, the, the second or the first step will be getting the population ready. Second is reopening the economy internally, uh, which we, we hope to support the consumption and will create some uh, level of potential inflation, but that's coming at a very low level, from very low level. So there's a lot of room to run for inflation in China. So it's not a concern for us as of yet. And as I said, the third step will be the China reopening to uh, uh, the global economy. So we don't see this uh, happening very swiftly. As I said, there'll be uh, likely to be a bumpy ride uh, with some elements of monitor around the infection rates. Uh, and potential risks of the economy closing down again. So uh, if there's any risk of inflation, it will be certainly an element that uh, needs to be put a, uh, or monitored a second, uh, if not towards the end of uh, 2023. Uh, but at the moment, it's not an imminent risk. Certainly, uh, the monetary policy and fiscal policy has room in that regard uh, to, to move a little bit more uh, next year to support that uh, economic rebound for China. Ekaterina, while you know, people were thinking at one stage that China was not investable, there was a large amount of money which went toward India. Does it stay there? And, uh, well, if it doesn't, and if it does stay there, where else does it go in Asia as well? Yeah, and, and there's other parts of Asia. And as I said, with China, there's, uh, there's that element of excitement of reopening post-COVID. Uh, there's a lot of pin-up demand. There's a lot of uh, pin-up investment, if you might say, sitting there to be deployed, uh, but beyond uh, the, that excitement, there are structural issues that need to address, uh, you know, places like property, as I said, there are concerns and, and some elements that we need to look at in terms of the globalization, what the impact is, uh, technology restrictions, uh, you know, the private uh, uh, sector policies, as I mentioned, an aging population, uh, and the aging population has repercussions 
or on places as well like property, you know, the property demand uh, and the structural uh, dynamics on how that market will evolve uh, in 2023 and, and beyond. Uh, so they certainly elements where uh, investors have to look at this uh, short term and long term trends. Uh, and with regards to Asia, uh, if you look at uh, China, uh, the growth will be, as I said, we expect for 2022 to be around the uh, 3%. And this is uh, pretty much the consensus. Uh, if you look at Asia or broader Asia, uh, the growth, uh, as, as quoted by the World Bank, is expected to be around 5%. Uh, so it's the far, first time since 1990s that China is actually below trend of Asian growth. And when it comes to Asia, you know, the pinup demand has supported the economy or economic velocity in other parts of Asia uh, to bring that uh, region uh, above that um, Chinese growth in 2022. And places that we see um, uh, still continuing to have a, a positive momentum in 2023 are places that are, uh, are relying to more uh, internal demand rather than exporting economies. So economies that are relying on exports uh, to develop world particularly are expected to uh, see somewhat a weaker growth in 2023 because we do see a deceleration of growth in developed markets. Uh, economies that are um, open for tourism, places like Thailand, certainly Japan, if you look more broadly, uh, and, and places like uh, or economies that are energy exporters rather than energy importers are expected still to uh, do better in 2023. Uh, so again, the three kind of pillars, if you might say, whatever they're exporting economies or uh, demand, internal demand consumers, or if there are energy importers or exporters and certainly tourism is another element uh, that investors need to look at when they're assessing their investment opportunities. Katerina, thank you so much. Katerina Vigos, there, CIO Core Investments at AXA Investment Managers, getting her take on the markets, particularly for Asia. This is Bloomberg. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.